0: This is The Ignition Show, an after-show edition. Hello, everyone. Welcome to or welcome back to the podcast. I'm Chris Jansen, host of The Ignition Show, and today is what we call our after-show. It's a special episode where we look back at the most recent interview and pull it apart to see how the ideas have impacted us. Us, by the way, refers to my wife and business partner, Sarah, and I. We're learning, too. And not only have we created this podcast to help provoke, inspire, and fuel your greatness, but we're on our own journey. We want to learn and grow as individuals and as a couple, and heck, we're human too. We have days and moments when we're crushing it and plenty of moments when we're not. So the After Show episodes are here to help you, help you to deepen the learning, speed the implementation of the great ideas, and to accelerate the route to your greatest aspirations and an extraordinary life. We're excited to be on this journey with you side by side moving forward with the entire Ignition Show community. We'd love to hear what stood out for you in this episode, so please go to our Facebook group, that's The Ignition Show on Facebook, and join if you haven't yet, and let us know what you heard from this episode that really impacted you. All right, it's time to ignite the spark within you. Let's get to the episode. So I have to admit that when I was first introduced to Belle by a former guest on the show, I was a little trepidatious about whether this was the right kind of topic for the Ignition Show, talking about alcohol consumption and, and challenges with, with alcohol. But I'll tell you that um, my conversation with Belle was probably one of my favorite so far. Why is that? I thought she was sharp. I thought she had really great insight and points on the challenges of making change. I think, as I mentioned in the episode, she really is a raw voice. Um, you know, she speaks the truth. And she shares a lot of truth from people who who write into her, who comment on her posts and reply to her emails. But I found her very, very, uh, you know, very sharp, very bang on in terms of the challenges that people go through when they're making changes.
1: Yeah. You know what? When you state it that way, you could substitute drinking with eliminating sugar, quitting smoking, trying to lose weight, absolutely anything where you're trying to make a major lifestyle change and... The people around you aren't necessarily making that change with you or the change you're trying to make is actually – you're you're making it because it's negatively impacting your life. So you need to make the change, but it's really difficult.
0: And I think the key thing that you, you, you've you drawn just from those examples, losing weight, uh, sugar, smoking. drinking, smoking, all of those, as Belle said, um, when there is a biochemical reaction, mm. it's not changing like I want to take – I don't know, this route to work versus that route to work. Right. When something is physically uh, impacting your physiology, there, it is a, perhaps more hurdles or more awareness you need to have on the changes that are required because it impacts your brain and your cognition and therefore your choices as well.
1: Absolutely. And a lot of those examples we use, you're absolutely right. It causes a, a physiological reaction that we get dopamine hits when we consume it. So to eliminate it, isn't just eliminating the habit; it's eliminating that feeling yeah. you get when you when you have that
0: habit. And I think where a lot of people um, struggle with is they think they come to the conclusion very quickly come to the conclusion that I would make that I would make that change if I just had more willpower, mm. as if it's a conscious choice all the time. But when you realize that there's this physiological play in it, this uh, neuro neurochemical play to it, you realize that it's not just a, a lack of Uh, you know, a lack of will or a lack of moral fortitude on your choice to make a change and stop consuming some things that you, that aren't maybe helping you in the way you want them to, there, there's more, there's more depth to it.
1: You know what I thought was interesting um, when she said moderation is harder than elimination. Yes. And I thought of the times that I've eliminated things, for example, sugar, you know, about 10 years ago, I, I cut out you know, carb, sugar, kind of went keto before keto was a thing. And, um, elimination was way easier. And since then, and it was to lose weight. And since then, you know, five years ago, I kind of went, okay, I'm going to moderate my sugar. I was not nearly as successful Mm. because you end up saying, okay, it's going to be a rare, unusual, and I'm using air quotes an unusual and rare, you know, one-off instance. Special special night out. It's a special night out or special event and that's when I'm going to have dessert. And then next thing I know, I'm having little bits of chocolate after after every meal or, you know, then in the morning I'm craving a, a muffin after breakfast. You know, all of these things. It's a really slippery slope yeah. and you start justifying it to yourself. Totally. It's like, okay, but it is, it's still a rare event every day.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And it, it makes me think of I often hear people say, you know, throw out the, the old adage of you know everything in moderation. Moderation is okay. My, and sometimes my, it is. Well, my, my counterbalance to that is, do you want moderate health?
1: Do you right. want moderate
0: vitality? Do you want moderate energy? Do you want a moderate cognitive, success. cognitive focus? Do you want moderate success and happiness and fulfillment? Are you going to be willing to settle for moderate happiness in life?
1: Or a moderate relationship.
0: Or a moderate relationship. So. You know, I mean, I'd be per, I'm provocative, provocative, purposely provocative when I say that because I understand the point of not overindulging in certain things. But I think what this whole conversation with Bell really shined the spotlight on was really, hopefully, waking people up to some of the choices that they've been, all, all, you know, as I write right, that they're lying to themselves, that their current way of doing it is working for them, right? That they've moderated it, and you're right, it's like, well, only three drinks tonight you know, versus five, but how do you feel the next day?
1: Well, and as Belle said, especially with just something like drinking, but I have the same problem with sugar sometimes, it's once you have that one drink that you said was your moderate choice, I'm just going to have one drink tonight, with drinking, actually that impairs future decision making, (laughs) so that one drink that you promised yourself was okay, Mm. ends up in the moment, two or three drinks, because after that one drink, you can't make proper decisions.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. And so, yeah, I agree with you that the um, the uh, it's easier to have none, and that's why I I knew earlier this year that I needed to make a a more bold decision, perhaps you might call it. I needed something bigger to really lock me in. Mm. Um, so when I made that commitment, not just to me, but primarily well, to you, and you should
1: you should back it up because you haven't really stated what commitment that is oh, well, I, for I the think, listeners. Yeah, I
0: mentioned it in the in the episode in the conversation with Bell. But uh what was it May, April, May this year? It's
1: like March or April.
0: Yeah, where I just wasn't feeling good after I had some drinks. I was having some headaches. And so I, I knew
1: And it had been going on for a while, yeah, like several on. months.
0: Well, no, it'd been going on for not every time. That was the challenge, right? Not every time, but it'd been going on for over a year. Where and it wasn't every time. So part of my strategy at the time was like, oh, maybe it was that type of beer, or that craft beer that didn't agree with me or that type of wine.
1: And I remember for the past year, every time we would go out, you would be really, um, uh, really precise in terms of how much alcohol percentage there was in the beer. You would, I remember you asking every waiter, okay, I'm looking for a low alcohol percentage, because I think you thought that was the issue.
0: Well, yeah, I think I, yeah, there was a correlation to amount of alcohol. Certainly if I had more drinks, Uh, and certainly with craft beer now you never know if you're going to get one that's two percent or nine percent exactly so i I do have to ask which blows me away that the bar the servers don't know that should be part of the part of the thing that they are trained on um but um but yeah i did i was very conscious about how much alcohol specifically i was drinking but i was still getting headaches randomly enough or enough occurrences not every time but enough to say something isn't right and so I, i needed to make a really really clear decision and i'm I always work best when there's big goals. That gives me a great level of focus and certainly a commitment to my new wife. Uh, Hold my word to my wife is very, very important. So, um, so yeah, I, I made a commitment. I wasn't going to have a drink for the rest of the year. And I'll tell you that that was in April. April, May. Um, we're in December now, and um, I've probably it's probably only been in the last three weeks where there's been moments where I've like, oh, I can really go for glass of wine with his meal. Right. Only last week. So cravings and it's fleeting. And after the meal, there's no like, Oh, I really wish I would have had wine. It's always in the moment. And I think it's a really important
1: as we sit down, for example,
0: as you sit down or as you're getting the plates ready and everything else, you're thinking what we're going to have, what you're going to have to drink along with your, your meal. But I think that's a really important, important insight. And we've talked about this also with desserts over time. Right. And there's been great studies that have shown that the greatest satisfaction from a dessert comes from the first two bites. After that, it's a law of diminishing returns. You don't get that much more satisfaction from bite three to nine or whatever. Um, And so similarly, when you're – especially with these craving-like things, sugar or or, or alcohol or maybe even some certain drugs, is that often it's just there's a moment, like a wave of desire, but it passes. Mm. And absolutely an hour later, rarely are you banging on the wall saying, I really need something, unless maybe you're you're deeper in a hole.
1: Well, it's funny because when you made that commitment – I was seven months pregnant. So I had been not drinking for a a while. And what I found during my pregnancy is I missed the ritual of drinking. It wasn't necessarily the actual drink, the the alcohol itself, right? I shouldn't say. It wasn't the alcohol I missed. It was the ritual of the pre-dinner cocktail or sitting down with a glass of wine. And I was really relieved when we went on vacation last February, we went down to Columbia and they make these fabulous cocktails, the juice cocktails. So I would have that as our pre-dinner drink and pre-dinner cocktail as you were still partaking at that point. But since then, what's blown my way or blown my mind since then is that because you had given up alcohol and I've been breastfeeding, I've not had much alcohol at all. Like I would say in the last year, I've probably had cumulatively five glasses of wine. I'll have one ounce here, two ounces there. um, and that's about it. And what's blown my mind is that when I tell people, Oh, I'm not drinking or, you know, now that I, I'm allowed to partake, I'm still choosing not to how many of my friends and peers or, or people in my loose network have also decided not to drink. Mm. And it's not because they necessarily have or have considered, are on the fence and are thinking about doing it rather soon. And when I asked them, you know, what made them make this decision, oftentimes it was similar to your story. It's like it wasn't really getting in the way of life, but I wasn't feeling my best. Mm. Or I just wanted to see. I've I've also had people say I just wanted to see if I could do it, or if you know what my life would be like without it. Right. And I love hearing that that it's becoming a growing trend to the to the point where we went out for one of our first fancy dinners away from our new new little son, and it was a really great restaurant. We had the you know we went to the chef's table and had the a la carte, and they offered wine pairings which you didn't partake and we told them oh no we're both off alcohol and they said oh we have a non-alcoholic pairing Mm -hmm. drink pairing which were juices or um kombucha type you know um
0: and some and some alcohol-free beer
1: some alcohol-free beer and some alcohol-free spirits yes which when they told me that they had alcohol-free campari my eyes kind of lit up because that's that was one of my favorite drinks was campari and Campari and soda or, or Negronis and things like that. But just to see the, the entire industry moving towards this trend Hmm. just is for me, an indicator of how people are moving towards this trend, Yes, that there is a demand for more alcohol free substances.
0: And I think for anyone listening to this and, you know, or listening to the episode with Bell, um, that, uh, if, if they're really thinking about it, I would just say from my own experience and as I hear similar to you, some friends who've been talking about it, who are considering it is that the key is if you, re- if you are considering it and you've been considering it for a while, I think you've got to slow down and really kind of reflect on, do some an- analysis on why are you thinking about the whole thing, mm. the way you're thinking about it. Uh, I had someone recently say to me, you know, they were thinking about it, but you know, they, they think they're going to miss the taste of it. And the, there's this craving and, Again, that's a momentary, like tip of the tongue or back of the throat kind of sense. You get very caught in the the moment of decision. And when you're sitting down in a restaurant and the the waiter asks if you want some wine, that's not the right right time to try to make a decision. Should I or shouldn't I? Right. But to slow down, maybe do some reflection, some journaling, some asking yourself some good questions to say what truly matters or what's really important to you, or what could be a, a milestone that you could aim for. And as Bell said. A lot of times it's better to focus on, on a short-term goal rather than saying it's going to be forever.
1: Absolutely. To give yourself
0: a little bit of leeway to try it for a little while.
1: And I loved how she had 100 days. Mm. No more. After 100 days, you can go back to drinking if that's your choice. Yeah. But commit to 100 days. And I love that her, her whole thing is it, it doesn't mean I won't drink in the future, but today I choose not to drink.
0: And I think a lot of people see it as a choice of sacrifice. I'm losing something. Right. But you pull the 25,000 people on, on Bell's list. and the Or anecdotally,
1: people, the people we've talked to who have cut it out.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's if you're going about it thinking it's going to be a sacrifice, you're probably not going to make the change.
1: Well, what's interesting is I, since I've been without alcohol, I notice I have better conversations with people. I'm more present. I enjoy my food more. You know, all of these incremental benefits – just from not having alcohol, which I, I didn't expect. Mm. I didn't expect. And I I will go back to that point that you just made. Evaluate why you're hesitant because a lot of people will say, well, it's the holidays coming up. I I need alcohol to get through the holidays or to get through dinner with my parents or dinner with my family or whatever it is, or I'm going through a hard time or I've experienced loss lately. I would say that's that's the perfect moment to to say, well, is alcohol the answer to get through this, mm. or are there deeper issues <laughs> that I need to address yeah. that alcohol can't help me with, or sugar can't help me with, smoking can't help me with, and it's it's dealing with those emotions in their raw form without medicating with other substances. Yeah.
0: And that's what I was going to say is that if you're going about it with, uh, as a, you're feeling like it's a sacrifice, you're not going to be the change. You have to have a higher reason, a higher purpose, a higher um, benefits that you're looking for. So whether it's about gaining health or waking up with more alertness or getting, becoming more active or whatever it is, there has to be that part of the equation that you're bringing into your consideration and whatnot as well.
1: Right. And as I said that I wanted, you know, it's so easy that we've been non without alcohol for a while, but I've been there where you go home for a family dinner and it's, you know, a rough time with the family and you take that extra bottle of wine or you start, you know, there have been periods and actually more often than not, I would go home for the holidays at Christmas and we would have Ryan Coke at 2 PM, you know, as you're putting together, as you're wrapping presents. Celebrations. Or, yeah. When, when the family starts coming over, that's when we start opening the booze. So it's not a foreign thing to me that that's just part of, part of life. And then by the end of the night, your six, seven, eight drinks in, but so is everyone else.
0: Yes,
1: yeah. And but again, the thing that's remarkable from my perspective is that since I've cut it out, no one's really called me out on it. No one said, "Oh, you know, do you, they'll offer?" It. And I said, "No, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm good." And that's it. People yeah. forget because yeah. oftentimes they're in their own little, you know, drink of whatever that they forget that you're not drinking.
0: I think. Since I made the change, you know, part of my hesitancy or resistance to making the change initially was, I really love going down to the pub. You right. know, after living in the UK and there, where I lived in London, and London there are twelve pubs within a two minute walk of my, my apartment, and I love to Saturday afternoon, grab a book and go for a pint, and I love that. I like meeting up with friends for it, like, and I've been able to do that. A lot of places now serve non alcoholic beer, which which I I quite enjoy, um, but I realized it's not so bad. Like there's, there is no resistance anymore. It's actually I quite enjoy the feeling at the end of the night and the feeling in the morning and what it, not just the feeling, but the feeling of what it makes me do uh, and how much vitality I have on a daily basis. The other thing I wanted to just to, to, to talk about was um, the other point I thought Bell absolutely nailed was. When people try to make changes, they end up making a lot of rules for themselves. Mm. But a lot of times, those rules don't work. Right? They're fighting against them. Like the rule of "I'm only going to have one," or the rule of, "I'm not going to do it tonight," or the rule of, "I must you know get to the gym tomorrow morning," and that can also create a lot of resistance for people. Um, and I think that's again a good a good awareness level or a good awareness check is if someone is listening to this and trying to make has been making some changes or trying to make some changes and hasn't followed through. What rules have they instituted? That they're not even believing or following themselves, because I think when you create a rule and you cheat on that rule or you try to navigate your way around that rule there's a there's a whole bunch of psych- psychology uh, erosion there where you're not believing your word, you're not sticking to your commitment, you're giving your yourself a little bit of an out, and that's just not a foundation to build a good good new behaviors or new habits out of.
1: Is there anything in the last two years that you've set a rule for? And I'm, I'm not trying to lead you anywhere, but I'm, I'm genuinely curious. Is there anything in the past two years that you've set a rule for yourself and and haven't lived up to in, in the spirit of what Bell has said?
0: Well, yeah, very much. As I said, it, it, uh, it was a year of me having some headaches every now and again mm. and me being very conscious of it. Literally being in restaurants or at a pub. You know, I, I find myself at airports a lot with a couple of hours to kill before right. a flight after a good day of running a workshop somewhere. And that was a real ritual that I had of having a pint to kind of, after talking for eight hours, my voice is a little raw. It's, it's cooling, crue- right? But there are many, many times where I'd be literally walking into the restaurant or the pub at the airport and saying, I'm just going to order, you know, uh, soda water or something. And I'd be staring at the menu. and This whole conversation would be going on in my head. Should I, shouldn't I, should I, shouldn't I told myself I wouldn't, I couldn't, I shouldn't, I don't want to, I will. Uh And I'm just going to have water. The waiter come up. Can I get you anything? Yeah, I'll have, a st- I'll have a Stella, please. Like in that moment, I just ordered something and the, uh, the voice in my head is saying, why did you just do that? Right. Totally. I had that for about a year. That's why it took me a year to do it. Because I wasn't really conscious and I have a powerful reason why. Um, so I can totally relate to... The rule of I'm only gonna have one. Sometimes I would tell myself that.
1: So, what was your greater why? The
0: greater why was um, the greater why was the headache started to come on very little, like maybe one drink, mm. and that that one day. Remember that one day I woke up and I'm like, I'm not myself today, and I didn't even have a drink the night before.
1: I remember that that yeah, remember and that and that was one of the first times you told me about this issue that you had been having for a year. And one, it surprised me that you waited a year to tell me, but also it was scary because at that point I was pregnant. We had, we were starting our family and I had stopped working or I was working part-time in our business. So you were the main breadwinner and it was a really scary moment for me. I remember that. Um, where it was a couple days of me just like, what does this mean? If, if, your mind, which is as an entrepreneur and as a business owner, if your mind is providing for us and our burgeoning family, then what does that? If your mind, if you're having trouble with your mind, what does that mean for us?
0: I, I remember very quickly I went from <laughs> I'm having some headaches to you saying in some words I don't remember the exact words of like f- afraid of me dying. Like it was it was like within 24 hours.
1: Yeah, and then I which, got I, past I, that. Which I was then I got little,
0: past that a little. <laughs> Like a little more than was necessary, but I appreciated your concern. And I... I I chalk it up to
1: pregnancy hormones and a recent (laughs) loss in our family. Yeah,
0: fair enough. Fair enough. Either way, uh, that was a real tipping point to to answer your question. That was a real tipping point when I woke up not having alcohol the day before and feeling very, very mentally foggy. And it was was an amplified version of how I would feel if I had one or two drinks the night before. And I just, that was for me, that was, that was enough, that was enough. And I've been thinking for the previous couple months of, I, maybe I should go for the, a year without drinking. Not a month, a year. I needed something bigger. Hmm. And we're nearing the end of the year. And I said to you last night at dinner, I go, oh, I could really go for a glass of wine now. But it was more of a comment than a craving.
1: Right. That was the first time would, you'd actually said yeah. that.
0: And I've had that a couple of times in the last couple of weeks. And and I probably will have a drink or two come in, in 2020. But it's going to be totally, a total conscious choice. And if I have symptoms, then, then I'm done. Right. Yeah.
1: This The interview with Bell was interesting because it brought up a lot of things for me around drinking itself, especially since you and I have been, for the most part, sober all year. But also, as you said, the correlations with other things in our life and how we put rules in thinking it's going to help us change, but it doesn't. And um, yeah, a lot of correlations that way.
0: Yeah, and I think again for anyone listening to this is that, you know, whatever they might be, you know, struggling with or on the fence about, um, the starting point has got to be you got to expand your 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 point of view, your perspective, and look at the bigger picture of what what would that choice make? What would that gain? What, What would you gain from making that choice in the broader context of happiness, fulfillment, success, satisfaction, vitality, energy, alertness, engagement, presence. That has to be at that level of what you're going to gain and not the fear of the, the, the lower level consequences of, I don't know, you know, dealing with stress or lack of social connections or whatever. Because those are all, always surmountable.
1: Well, and I think the interesting thing that Belle said that one of her things that she's learned through this whole process of seven years of, of talking about this and, and accumulating a, a community is we're not alone. You know, we always... So many people, and she she said she was someone who thought she was the only one who had these thoughts. And then pretty much everyone who comes to her community says the same thing. I'm the only, we think that we're the only ones with these thoughts. So whether it's about drinking, whether it's about smoking or losing weight or, you know, all of those, um, what was the word she used? The wolfy voices in your mind, the, the, oh, I'm not enough, or I have shame or guilt or fear around this, whatever it is, whatever struggle you're going through, however horrific it feels in the moment, you're not alone. Absolutely. And I've been in those experiences before where, you know, I've gone to events or, you know, and I hear other people say pretty much what I've been thinking. And that's the revelation. That's sometimes all you need to hear to make that change because then it, the shame, the guilt, the fear wash away, and then you can just deal with the issue itself. Yes.
0: I think that's a great point. That's a great reminder. I highly, highly recommend anyone who resonates with this conversation, the conversation we have with Belle, go to her website, which is on the show notes, and sign up for her emails. Because what she says in her emails, she's not preaching, she shares a lot of emails that people have written her. Mm. So you hear the stories, and the stories are, I think, very real they're just real people sharing their struggles and with struggles with making choices and decisions and it's very inspiring that you share so you get a lot of emails you get you get uh, three a day but you can unsubscribe if <laughs> you need to they're very, very 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 brief but I think if you, this is a, this conversation and specifically the choices you're making around alcohol or something you've been thinking about making change in sign up for our email list so even just for a few weeks and I guarantee you'll you'll have a different perspective on where you're at
1: That's it for today. I will be back in two weeks to talk to you after your next interview with...
0: Pete Bambachi.
1: Awesome. Talk to you then.
0: Bye-bye. So there you have it, our after-show edition. As always, if you like what you hear, subscribe, rate the show, or leave a review in iTunes. It helps others find us and helps us get better. We actually read every single review and comment that comes through iTunes, Facebook, and our website, and respond to as many people as we can. We'd especially love hearing your real live voice, and you can leave comments and questions for us to include in future episodes as an audio message by going to theignitionshow.com slash connect. That's theignitionshow.com slash connect. We'd really love to build a community around you and your questions. And lastly, remember, whatever you dream of, whatever you hope for, and secretly wish you had, you're closer than you think you are, you're meant to have it, and you absolutely deserve it. Until next time, I'm Chris Jansen.
1: And I'm Sarah Jansen.
0: And this is The Ignition Show.